one of the wonderful things that will be missing in heaven. Microphones. Amen. We're so, so happy to be gathered together here tonight. Post-COVID, post-troubles, post-heartaches. We were saved before COVID came. We're still saved after COVID is gone. No matter what Satan throws at us, we are more than conquerors. It is such an honor to be able to, to be with you. I wanted to say before we read how much I appreciate Brother Tim and his church and all the workers that makes this possible for all these many, many years that they've done this. I want to be standing near one day when my little buddy walks up before the throne of God and the Lord goes to reward him. And no doubt many of you will stand right there and say, I got the Holy Ghost. I was saved. I was delivered. Thank you, Brother Tim. We appreciate all the efforts and all of that to make it possible. God bless you. Let's turn tonight, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 13. I know you're tired. Many of you driven today, flew in today. You're tired and worn, so I'll keep that in mind as we um, start for the service tonight. But we know that we'll never, ever be gathered quite like this again. Even if the Lord tarries another year and there'd be another spring camp, Probably some of you would not be able to be here. Maybe myself, Brother Tim, Brother Ron, we don't know. So we want to take advantage of this time. Every moment that we're together and see what the Lord will do. This is a very um, famous portion of Scripture as far as in the book of Ephesians. It's called the Panoply of God, which basically means dealing with the armor of God. I think it's very fitting for the day that we're living Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And this is how we will do it. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I'd also like to read to you from uh, Satan's Eden, paragraph 13. I love the way that Brother Branham approached this. Um, He's had a few meetings there in Jeffersonville, and he says, I wanted to speak to you something, to bring something to you to enlighten you to the promise of God for this age. Something, not something that somebody else was in some other day. Them things are all right, and we all refer to those things. But I thought I would try to bring something to your mind and these scriptures that I've got written down that would enlighten you to know 
and to make you a better soldier in the field that you're fighting in now, to learn the tactics of the enemy so that you can block everything that gets to you. See, that's the main thing, he said. Now, if you get time sometime, do a search on that. How many times that he said that? That's the main thing. A lot of the things that we think are the main thing are not the main thing at all. But this is what he said is one of the main things. That that's the main thing is to learn to keep the punches off of you as much as you can. So the main thing is to be able to learn to keep the punches off of you as much as you can. Now remember Brother Branham when he was younger, he was a boxer. Now most of us, of course, have not boxed too much. But for him, saying this would have had such a powerful meaning because the more punches you take, the weaker you are. The more punches you do, the more you surrender that secrecy about yourself. And your enemy watches you. And he learns your tactics. So you're sparring. He's learning. You're fighting. He's learning. So the main thing is keeping it all. We thank God for the blood of Jesus that forgives us when we do wrong, don't we? But I appreciate the Holy Ghost that can so live in our lives that can keep us from doing wrong in the first place. Now, the majority of Christendom, that's where they live in this age we're living. So it's constant about repentance. Their songs are constantly written about the mercy of God, the grace of God, which basically they have no power to help them overcome the world. So they're constantly thinking for the blood. The blood does this. That's what the blood's for, they say. It's to God knows you're going to make mistakes and you're going to live awful, so they say. So the blood's there to forgive you. So you just basically go ahead and do it. That's not what the Lord Jesus died for. He died to redeem us from the power of the devil. Amen. And we'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, it's such an honor to be able to stand here, Lord, and address these young men and young women, Lord, some their parents and grandparents also here. Lord, not only those in the visible audience, but those that are invisible, different time zones around the world that are streaming tonight and some that will archive this service. Father, we just come before you with humility in our hearts and asking you to help us. We're so needy, Lord, in this hour that we live. But we're grateful that all of our needs, we can bring them to you and you're mindful of us. I pray for a few moments here this evening, Lord, that you would be able to capture our attention. You see, for many of them, Lord, they're tired in their bodies and they're just settling into a place that's not their own home and not their own bed and all of that. But would you help us while we're here these few days? May we hear from across the river. May eternity speak to us, Lord. Dear God, we know if there's anything that's accomplished out of these meetings, that'll be of eternal value. It'll be you that'll do it. No doubt Brother Ron has studied and prayed. Brother Andrew has studied and prayed. I've done likewise. Brother Tim, Lord, has prayed and prayed in his church. But Father, we know without you coming supernaturally, it'll just be a protractive gathering. We don't want that, Lord. 
But we want lives to be changed, delivered, set free. Speak to us tonight, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to speak to you tonight for just a little bit on standing in the evil day. I could imagine that Brother Ranham would have had so many things that he had the ability, the understanding, the revelation to be able to bring to his people. Here he's in Branham Tabernacle. He felt more liberty to preach there than pretty much anywhere else in the world. No doubt he could have spoke on some great mysteries, some great things that had so much depth and would have brought such exhilarating feeling to our emotions. And we would have thought, wow, that was so profound. But yet, his desire was to be able to bring something that would enlighten not only the Branham Tabernacle, but those of us that never even got to meet Brother Branham and see him. And yet we are the trophies of his message as well as they were. But something that would enlighten us to the hour that we're living in. Now we know that whenever the prophet was here, there was great darkness on the earth. But in reality, it was nothing compared to what it is today. And for sure, he said even then that the world was groping in insanity. What would he say about it today? When people don't know if they're a man or a woman or a dog or a cat or a horse, they're not even sure really what they even are. Uh, They're not sure what they even want to be. And we know that that darkness is so permeating over the entire earth. And we can see that the handwriting is certainly on the wall. And if he was here today, I wonder what would be the burden on his heart if he could stand here before you tonight and be able to speak something to you, would it be rallying words that would just help us to get excited for a few days? Would it be something that he would point us to a system? Would he point us to some doctrine, as even some message people would do? And they think the message is all about this doctrine and that doctrine and another doctrine, but I'm so glad who I'm looking for is not a doctrine, he's a person. It was not a doctrine, young people, that died for you. It was not a doctrine that raised from the dead. It was a person. It is not a doctrine that we're looking for to come and change our bodies, but it is a person. As much as we thank God for the teachings and the doctrines of the message, yet if Satan cannot stop us from embracing those truths, he will try to to get us to emphasize that instead of the very literal life of the Lord Jesus himself. But I'm glad that over the years that we've been able to be a part of this camp and the years that I wasn't here was able to get a bus and send our young people here because I feel like that what is going to be said and what is going to be preached is going to be an emphasis that the Lord Jesus would be happy with. And not only that, but that there will be lives that will be changed. And it will not be so much that it will be trophies for Brother Ron, trophies for Brother Tim, trophies for Brother Andrew, but trophies for the Lord Jesus himself. And as we are in this darkened age, and, and may I say 
to those of you that are serving the Lord that no doubt you are facing things that no other generation of young people ever had to face. The darkness that is keep continually coming out upon the face of the earth, even though we're walking in the greatest light that's ever been, we cannot keep from being affected by the darkness that is here. The prophet told us when he was here that the lid had been tore off of the kettle and demon powers were streaming in every direction. Now, if that was 1961, 62, can you imagine what it is in the day that we're living now? And we're not here tonight to give the devil praise. We're not here tonight to tell what a mighty, mighty devil that he is. But I do want you to recognize that we do uh, are, are against a powerful adversary. And we are also more equipped than the army of hell is equipped. But that is only as we find our position in the word and we realize what, what God has done for us. And we know that our position is more than just quoting quotes and we can have all the memorabilia of the message of the hour. We can know many of the great events. Well, Brother Branham was here on a certain day. Brother Branham was there on a certain day. And all that is good. But yet really what I want to emphasize to you tonight is not just where Brother Branham was on a certain day, but where were you when life struck you because it's not going to be us just recognizing who Brother Branham was. As a matter of fact, Brother Branham tells us one day the bride will recognize who she is and when she recognizes who she is, the rapture will go. Not the rapture will come, but the rapture will go when she recognizes who she is. So it's not, it's not great enough for you to be able to say, oh, I've got a wonderful mama. I've got a wonderful father. My pastor is such a wonderful man. That's wonderful. I'm glad that you have that kind of parents and that kind of a pastor. But that will not give you the overcoming power that you need to face the darkness in this day. You have got to be able to know that you have met the God of your mother, the God of your father, the God of William Branham. We don't want to just say, well, where is the God of Brother Branham? We want to be able to say, I know where he is. He's here in my heart. He's in my church. He's in the message of the hour. He's here in this meeting. Do we believe that? With all of our hearts, we believe he is the same yesterday, today, and forever for real believers. That is not just a cliche that we say around the message of that. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We really believe that he is the same. And I really want to inform hell tonight that they are coming against the greatest generation of young people that have ever been on the face of the earth. We're not just a second-handed generation of people. Well, my grandfather was in the message or my grandmother or my mother or my father. No, that's not our credentials. Our credentials are we have met the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves. Is that right? Now, you know, the enemy that we are faced with is certainly one that we would not want to meet on our own. 
I would not want to meet this enemy on my own. He was so defiant against the Lord Jesus that he just came right up against him and questioned who he was. And we must remember that we have a strong adversary. That is by no means saying that we acknowledge him as being some great something and we are weaklings. But yet Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you know, Peter was a man that I really, really like in the Bible because he's one of the few New Testament characters that were able to see growth in his life. We see him fall flat on his face and get right back up again by the grace of God. So who better than Peter to write about this? Now, Paul, we don't know so much about his walk, but yet Peter were able to see that Peter was able to be a man that had a lot of pride about himself and an element of arrogance about himself. And he felt like that he was so secure in the kingdom of God. And he felt like that if John backslid and turned away from Jesus, Peter would never do it. And he had such confidence, but his confidence was not in the reality of God. It was in the strength of his own flesh. Those others will turn you away, Lord. I will not do it. And it must have been very, very hard for him to accept what the Lord Jesus said, that you will deny me. Is that right? Now, I want you to notice that the Lord Jesus tried to warn Peter several times and tell him that Satan was out to get him. But you see, the danger of having spiritual pride and spiritual arrogance is that we tend to look at ourselves and think, well, the devil will never get me. Well, so-and-so is caught up in porn, but it'll never happen to me. So-and-so is caught up in this and that, but it'll never happen to me. We need to hide behind the mercy and the strength of our God, not confidence in our flesh. For if a man thinks that he stand, let him take heed, lest he fall. Now, you know, I find this myself, and I'm sure our brothers could agree, that there are so, too many Christians that are around this message that have gone to sleep. They've entered into a slumber of the last days, and they're taking confidence in what they think they can do, and they're not really listening to their pastors as their pastors are trying to warn them of the darkness that's pressing against us. And yet we know that as we go on, it's going to get worse. Listen to this in Matthew 26, 40. When he cometh unto the disciples and find them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Just one hour? Listen to these words. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, the Lord Jesus warns Peter and he lets him know that the spirit may be indeed willing, but his flesh was still very weak. Now, the Peter, whenever Peter when he goes back to this and he remembers, no doubt this very night, relived it many, many times, I'm sure, in his life, and Peter sought to write in his epistle, what could I say to the people that are in this day and the people that will read this, what could I say to them? That I would be able to give them something that would help them. And Peter chose to use the word sober. And he chose the word vigilant. And he could have described the devil by many, many terms. But he chose to describe him as a roaring lion. 
not as a sitting lion or a sleeping lion or even as a crouching lion. Now notice he said as a roaring lion. Notice Peter says be sober, be vigilant. The word sober is to watch, to be calm, collected in spirit, to be temperate, to govern both the outward and the inward man by rules of temperance, modesty, and mortification. Cares will intoxicate the soul, therefore be sober. Now many of you have never drunk any alcohol in your life. You've never drunk any wine or any, any type of spirits as the world calls it. But yet, you know, there's so many more things by which we can become intoxicated than it would just be wine or alcohol, but we can just get so busy with the things of life themselves. Now, Peter was not drinking. It wasn't that Peter had three or four girlfriends on the side, and Peter was kind of running the bars, you know, and he was smoking and doing all that sort of thing. But Peter just got so caught up. And no doubt he felt like that he, he himself was really established upon the truths of what he believed the gospel was. And he felt like if everybody forsook the Lord Jesus, there's no way he's going anywhere. And I just can't believe that Peter actually took the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny you even know me. Now, if Peter would have believed that, I believe the man would have fell on his feet and repented and say, please strengthen me. Please help me. Help me that I won't do this. But it was as if, though, he was so arrogant in himself that the words of the Lord Jesus did not even penetrate his soul and shake him to such a spot that he would say, Lord, please help me that I don't do this. Give me strength that I don't do it. You know, you think about Lot. Whenever Lot was given the decision to choose which way he would go, to the left, to the right, Abraham said, whichever way you go, I'll go the opposite way. If Lot would have known who Abraham was, you think of being the prophet of that age, that he would have come back and said, help me, guide me, lead me. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. But it's apparent that Lot had so much confidence in the leadership of his own, my his own walk, maybe the influence of his wife because she had this worldly desire. He didn't even inquire from the prophet. What should I do? Help me to know. I, I don't know. I mean, there's evil there. There's evil there. You direct me. You guide me. Oh, young people, how many have we seen that have had such confidence in themselves? And then they, they tend to become to a spot to where they're not, as Peter said, that they are sober. Now, the next word that he uses is vigilant, and it means to watch and wait. Oh, so wonder why he's using these words. Watch and be awake. Watch and be awake. These are the very words the Lord Jesus spoke to him. But did Peter do it? He did not. This is one thing I love about the grace of God. All these preachers up here and how many ever more is out here and how many ever stream in this service, every one of them that's preaching to you about the mercy of God, you know one reason they can preach it with such passion? They've experienced it. You know why they can preach to you God can forgive you? Because God's forgiven them. Is that right? I wouldn't give you a nickel for a preacher that preaches so high and he acts like that he ain't never needed no forgiveness. He's a hypocrite. 
That's exactly right. There won't be one preacher that will ever walk down the streets of gold that did not need the mercy of God, the salvation of God, sanctification, forgiveness. Is that right? That's why they can stand up and tell you that God is mindful of your needs. I'm sure as we've gathered here tonight, there's young people that maybe not even say. There's some of you that are saved and you're not sanctified. There's some of you that are saved and sanctified and not filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's probably some that are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but maybe you're fighting depression or sadness or whatever it is. We've got people with all walks of life, but I believe our God is so mindful of every one of your needs that from the very back, back row to the very front row, all the way across the whole front, I believe our God can lead these men and direct these men to preach exactly what you have need of in these days that we are here, and we don't want it to be a protracted meeting, but we want it to be a meeting where devils are cast out and the sick are healed and tumors will leave people's bodies. Hallelujah. And the shackles will fall off of people's lives and those that are bound will say, praise God, I'm free. Why? Because we are watching and we are vigilant and we say we need to be stirred in this hour. We need more Holy Ghost than we've ever had in our Life. We need more of the love of God. We need the power of God. We need the word of God. Is that right? Why? Because we are facing a deadly enemy. But we want to let him know tonight we are more than conquerors. We are not laying to sin survivors. We are overcomers. So this man, when he wants to write to young people, to preachers, to older people, he wants to tell them, watch, stay awake. Why? Because he hadn't done so good at it. To be cautious, to take heed, this is the meaning of the word, vigilant, lest through remission, and carelessness, some destructive calamity would overtake you. Be self-controlled. Now we realize this is what the majority of Christendom lacks. Brother Branham uses a very simple illustration about salvation. Something like this. You go out in the barnyard and there's a glass laying out there. It's got cow manure on it, straw, hay. It's filthy, nasty. There's no way you're going to pick that up and drink out of it. So you reach down, and when you do, you pick it up. Now, you have taken the filth of this upon yourself. This is why he had to become a man. God in spirit form could not take our sin upon himself. So God became a man. Is that right? Now, whenever he did this, he reached down and he took our sin upon himself. But did he save me? He saved me from the barnyard. But I'm still not full of anything yet. Full of myself, full of arrogance, full of stench, full of all that sort of thing. Now, this is where the majority of Christendom is. They profess him as their Savior. Oh, glory, I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. Are they? They are they're saved from the barnyard. 
They're saved from the, you know, the things that are out there, but are they in service? They're not. But you know, if you really want to use that, you take that glass in the house and you go to run in some warm water and you'll put dishwashing soap inside of there and you'll suds it up and you'll stick it down in there and wash it depending on how picky you are. You may wash it once and then twice and then three times. Why? Because you do not want to put anything in that glass and press that glass to your lips until that glass has been washed and sanctified and filled. Oh, young people, may I say to you tonight, you don't want to just be picked up out of the barnyard and say, oh, hallelujah, the Lord saved me. Oh, hallelujah, I'm different than what I was. Is the glass different? It is different. But that's not the end destiny of what God wants for that glass. You bring it in, you wash it really good, and then you set it up on the counter. There it is. It's justified. It's sanctified. But unlike that Gatorade bottle, it is still empty. Oh, my. Let's not leave this place. May there not be a one that'll leave this place on Sunday that'll say, I'm an empty vessel. May there not be a one young person or middle-aged person that'll pull out of this parking lot that won't be so full of the baptism of the Holy goes that every fiber of your being is charged with the supernatural power of God. This is what makes it so sad that many are washed and they're even cleaned and they're sitting there and they're empty. They never go any farther. They never move beyond and they're just, oh, I thank you, Lord. Oh, I, I used to drink, but I don't drink no more. I used to cuss, but I don't cuss no more. I used to do this, but I don't do that no more. And they're still just thanking God that they come out of the barnyard. And they're thanking God that they've been baptized and they've been washed. But they're not in service. So they're just sitting there, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, I'm so clean. I feel so clean, I feel so good to be clean. Ain't it good to be clean? This is why we needed a prophet in this day to be a help to restore us back to the true apostolic face of our fathers. They didn't just preach justification and sanctification. They preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And a message preacher that ain't preaching that ain't preaching the message. Well, praise the Lord. Not only the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same sensation, the same emotion, living the same kind of life. The prophet said it right here in the state of Louisiana that the second Adam's children have only got one way to act. And that is like they did on the day of Pentecost. And if we're born, oh, I know a lot of our folks don't want emotion anymore. I'll tell you the reason some preachers don't preach for emotion because they've not had a real experience themselves. They've accepted an intellectual conception of the message, but that'll never back up the devil in your life. That'll never keep all the things of sin and the power of darkness that's on the face of the earth today. We will not be able to back the devil up just by quoting quotes and telling him, Brother Branham said this and Brother Branham said that. The devil can outquote every one of us. The devil can quote the Bible better than every one of us. But there's one thing we can do. We can live right. We have the power of God in our soul. The devil cannot live this word. He cannot have the life of Christ. Amen. 
Now, I'll tell you one thing. I appreciate, I really appreciate this container. Can you imagine me now? I'm, I'm getting hot and sweating, and I'm going to be thirsty shortly. Can you imagine me trying to get this Gatorade in me without a vessel? So if it was just here, it was all laying on the floor, and it was laying on the pulpit, how am I going to get it? Am I going to do it like a dog, go around and lap it up with my tongue? How I appreciate a vessel. Young people, this is what God wants you to be right here. A vessel. Oh, glory to God. A vessel so full of the Holy Ghost that when you get up on Monday morning, the devil says, oh, no, here they come again. Oh, no, here they come again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Not you getting up on Monday morning and saying, oh, no, not Monday again. I'll tell you what the prophet said. He said a man or woman could live so close to God that the devil don't know what to do with you. We ought to be young people in this message that when we get up out of the bed, the devil says, oh, no, there's that young man. There's that young woman. There's that preacher. There's that deacon. Look out, hell. Here they come. Here they come. They're not compromising. They're not just talkers. They're possessors. And this is the way we'll do it. So what do you do? You take that glass and you set it there. You fill it with milk, orange juice, water, tea, whatever it is. Now, you identified yourself with it. Hallelujah. You identified yourself with it when you picked it up the first time. Now it's identifying itself with you when you press it to your lips. Is it possible that that filthy, dirty thing could minister drink to the Lord Jesus? Hallelujah. Is it possible that the Lord could so fill you? God don't want just preachers to talking about this. He wants you young people set on fire. Hallelujah. He wants you young people so filled with the power of God that people will notice something about your life. Not just your hair, sisters. Not just your dress. Not just your brothers don't look like women and all that sort of thing. But the life of Christ so permeating out of your life that people say there's something about that young boy. There's something about that girl. What is it? It ain't the bottle. It ain't the vessel. It's the contents. It's the contents. That's what it is. That's what makes us different. Oh, but our adversary. The Greek word here calls him Diablos, the slanderer. The slanderer. Peter said he's as a roaring lion, lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Not a sleeping lion. As I said, not a couching lion. Several years ago, I was in Kenya going to the Serengeti Park. A brother there in the message was a game warden. 
And I was able to go in places to where the normal tourist was not able to go and see. And as we were driving out in the Serengeti on a Jeep and I saw this big female lioness up on an abandoned anthill, maybe, maybe this tall, something like that, and she was so conspicuous. You could see her. She just stuck out as a sore thumb, as we would say. So I asked the brother, I said, why, why is she doing that? And he said, she's a decoy. Now, there were Jim's buck. There was all kinds of animals out there everywhere. He said, now, if you look really close in the bush, you'll find the hunters. So he had binoculars, and we started looking, and there we looked, and we looked, and the grass there is almost identical, same color of the lions. And there we finally found them, and they were sneaking up. But yet all of those animals, hundreds of them, they were not looking in the bush. You know where they were looking? At that one decoy. So they had their eyes. Listen, young people, Satan will not hit you in your strengths. He will hit you in your weaknesses. Oh, come on now. Don't get quiet on me. What, what strengths in your life? He will not hit you so much there. But every one of us has weaknesses inside of our flesh. And that's what we've got to fortify by the grace of God. Your weakness might be not being able to cope and deal with people laughing at you or making fun of you. And Satan will deal with you that way. You're, some of you others, your weakness may be one thing or another. But we need the grace of God to help us strengthen those weaknesses. Because Satan will put a decoy in front of us and will get our eyes on that decoy not knowing the real enemy is right here. And your greatest enemy is not your mama. Your greatest enemy is not your daddy. But your greatest enemy is yourself. Now that's very difficult. Because there ain't nobody I love in this world any better than me. Oh, I just love me. Don't sit there and look at me like I'm a weirdo. You do too. <laughs> Ain't nobody you love no better. Who did you feed today, your mom or yourself? Who did you get ready for church, your sister or yourself? And Satan will put the, oh, you better, oh, you better watch. Oh, oh, oh my, oh my. But your enemy's actually over here. And as I sat there and I watched and I watched and I pondered and I thought about, Brother Ron, how the enemy actually does. You know, and whenever naturalists tell us that whenever the lion is roaring, that is when he is the most hungry. I, I, I hope that you can see tonight that every individual here, including me, Satan looks at us as potential supper. Which do you think he'd rather have in his trophy room? One of these men of God or some denominational guy that don't really know nothing about God? Which do you think he'd rather have? Some of these denominational young people that all they've ever known is denomination this or denomination that or some of you that's been raised in the message of the hour. Or you said, well, that's my protection. No, it's not. Your protection has not been raised in a message pew, but it's that baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't take that pride. Oh, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. There's only one way you won't do it. The power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. 
1898, England, which was in control of Kenya, wanted to build a railway. So they send an engineer. They hire many locals and bring also other people from England to come and to construct this railway. They start missing employees. They first are bewildered by it. And then they start finding blood trails. And in the middle of the night, they're hearing people scream and holler. Come to find out it was two lions. Lions from Savo. One was called Ghost and the other one was called Darkness. These lions were man-eaters. A minimum of 35 that they know of and they say possibly up to 135 that they killed. They had no appetite for the Jimsba Impala. Normal lion food. But they had an appetite for people. And they kill one after another after another. They finally found their den. And when they did, they found the skulls and the bones of one human being after another after another. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, our enemy is even worse than the lions of Savo. They're in the museum in Chicago to this very day. It's been a mystery for all of these years. Why? That they actually did what they did. But let me tell you, young people, your enemy tonight is even more cunning. Even more of a challenge for you and I than the Savo lines were. They finally were able to take them both. And there they are in the museum, the most famous and infamous animals in all the natural history museum. I actually have a mounted lion myself that come from the same area of Savo. Those lions are very peculiar in that they did not have a mane. They were massive in size, and the one I have is massive as well. But it doesn't hardly have any mane. So I found a mane on eBay, and I bought him a toupee. <laughs> but he's sort of like the devil. He ain't really got no hair, but he looks like he does. Now, unless you knew it, you know, Unless you was there in my house, you'd never even know. So sometimes people will come and want to look at it. And while they're saying, oh, wow, how beautiful. Wow, he's really big. He's this and that. And I just reach over and grab this whole thing off of him. And there he is, bald as a pumpkin. <laughs> Why? Because it's something about their DNA. They found out in that area that it does not produce a mane. You know, I think for a real child of God, if we really know what Satan is and what our Lord is. He might roar and he might terrify you in your flesh. But if you have got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're able to remove his toupee and say, Peter said you was as a roaring lion. He didn't say you were one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But I'll tell you the lion that I love. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the lion that is the conqueror. And 
Satan is nothing but an impersonator. He wants to act like he's the Almighty, but he's not the Almighty. He is a devil. He is a thief. He is a liar, and he is defeated by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Look at yourself tonight. You're a walking ham sandwich. You're a walking T-bone steak. You're a walking pork chop dinner or a big chicken dinner. The devil looks at you as food. But aren't you glad that if he does just get a portion of us in his mouth, we'll turn his stomach. You are undefeatable. You cannot be defeated as long as you are in Christ Jesus. There is no enemy, young people, that can defeat you. Oh, Brother Donnie, you don't know this, and no, I don't, but I know a mighty God that's bigger than everything you're facing tonight. You don't know what I come here with. You're right, I don't, but I know my Father knows what you're facing. I know what you're going to face. I don't have an idea what you're going to face when you go back home, but I want to bring to you a message by the power of the Holy Ghost that when you leave out of here on Sunday evening, if you've got to face a trial or a test, you can say, by the grace of God, out of my way, you lying devil. Out of my way, you lying devil. You're not going to stop me. I was in the barnyard, but I ain't no more. I was in the dishwater, but I ain't no more. Now I've got the water on the inside of me. I'm full of that water. You know, Satan tempts. In three forms, as a subtle serpent to beguile our senses, pervert our judgment, and enchant our imagination. The form of the serpent is the way it came to our mother in the Garden of Eden. To enchant her. To lead her by the power of imagination. To beguile her senses. The serpent beguiled me. Oh my. And to pervert our judgment. Well, you can get by with this. My, you've been hearing the Lord's coming all these years. Well, who knows? It may be a hundred years. It may be. But can any of you show me the divine guarantee that you'll live Told the end of the service. For generations, nuclear war, nuclear fear has not really been on the average common mind. But look in the last month and a half. We're hearing more about nuclear this and nuclear that. And my, it has been in decades. I spoke to my church the other night and told them that I just found where Russia had been working on a stealth bomber. They call the name of that bomber the messenger. The messenger. 
America turned down God's messenger. But they won't be able to turn down Russia's messenger. Look, young people, there's only one place that we can hide. Oh, you know, I'm sure that you, you, you've read about it already and heard bomb shelters have went through the roof in the last month. People ordering them online, having them buried in their backyard, put here and there and there. But aren't you glad you've got one made out of feathers? Amen. That's what the prophet said. We've got a bomb shelter made out of feathers. I don't want a concrete one. I don't want a steel one or a titanium one. I've got one that's called my father's wings. For before one of them bombs ever land this way, hallelujah, the bride will be sailing off into the presence of God. You understand, friend, how close we are? Those warheads, when they start this way, our nation only has a quantity of 40 deterrents by which they can stop them. And if Russia starts sending hundreds of those and those warheads moving 15,000 miles an hour, that plane will fire so fast it can be from Moscow to any place on the earth in less than 30 minutes. People won't have time to get right. They won't have time to fix this and that. Now is your time. Tonight is your time. In the morning, tomorrow night, now is your time. This is the day of your visitation. Accept your hour. Accept your time. If you're in the barnyard, the master is here to pick you up. If you're filthy, he's here to wash you. If you're empty, he's here to fill you. So when you leave out of here, you can leave a full vessel full of the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Oh, he reveals himself and tempts us as a serpent, but also as an angel of light to deceive us, try to deceive us with false views of spiritual things and to redefine the declarations of God's word, whether it's on holiness and sanctity or even the Holy Ghost. And what's so sad is that we're dealing in our own ranks with preachers preaching a watered down version of the Holy Ghost, all you gotta do is believe God sent a prophet. Well, if that's so, every devil in hell will be saved. There are no devils that follow the move of believe the sign because they know better. They taught people into believing he wasn't a prophet, but they know better. So the angel of light will try to deceive people with false views of the truth. Or restructure the truth in such a way that it is more appealing and easy believism, if you will. And then as a roaring lion, to tear us down, destroy with violent opposition. Any of y'all ever seen an African lion out in the wild? I ain't talking about the Cincinnati Zoo now. One brother back here, a few. Brother here. Well, I, I don't mind telling you. I've seen them in the zoo, but they're like kitty cats compared to the ones that you see in the wild. Several years ago, my wife and I was in South Africa, and the brothers there wanted to treat us to a really not, nice place to stay, so they got us um, a place out, and it was in the dark whenever we got there. And it was a, a very neat place. But yet about 3 in the morning, something like that, 
We heard something go. And I'm not sure who moved the fastest, me or my wife. She was moving toward me and I was moving toward her. We didn't know that we were staying right next door to a game reserve. And right outside of our window was a fence about 15 feet tall, something like that. But we didn't know that because we came in in the dark. All we knew, we were ham and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> the next morning, the baboons woke us up on the roof. Well, whenever we finally got up and stirred around a little bit and saw that fence, it made me feel somewhat better until three in that morning. Come to find out, the king liked that resort. So he was camping out real close to our room. So needless to say, it took a little bit of the fun out of us watching the Impala and all the rest of the things that was there because every morning we were being awakened by this. Now, many of you from the signs of your hands, you've never seen or heard anything quite like that. But let me tell you, you've heard worse because you have heard this imposter out of hell. As he roars, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to do that to you. And his roar is so ferocious and so terrifying. But if you could only look in his mouth and realize he ain't got no teeth to bite you. He goes, because the Lord Jesus done pulled his teeth on Calvary. Oh, glory to God. Remember, he's got a bow, but he ain't got no arrows. So he'll roar and roar and roar. And can you imagine you run up on this line here? And then he opens his mouth. And you're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I was scared of that. Oh, Grandpa, where's your polygrip? Oh, brother, sister, if we knew who we were and could look at it in the right way when that devil comes roaring, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do that. You can look at him by the word of God and say, get behind me, Satan. You are a liar. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Leave me alone. But instead, he roars. And then whenever we jump in, I ain't going to get too much out of youth camp because, boy, last, year, last time I was here, I already got a lot. Boy, the devil jumped me bad. So I ain't going to get much this time. If I was you, I'd get more. I get more. I make up in my mind, this is going to be one of the paramount times of my life. I'm talking about an emotion. I'm talking about just a stir. I'm talking about something in your soul that will set you on fire. So the devil is so hungry. He's roaring. 
and roar and roar. I want America. Roar. I want Russia. I want Ukraine. I want the young people. I want the preachers. I want them all. And he roars and we jerk. And he roars and we quiver. Can you imagine God's prophet being so in tune with God that he said if a person had cancer and you didn't fear it, it couldn't hurt you. Your sister's frying, frying meat one morning for breakfast and the grease pops out and burns your hand. And if you don't fear it, you can say in the name of Jesus. Well, you said that's a quote. No, it ain't. It happened to my youngest daughter a year or so ago. Frying meat in her kitchen and the grease jumped out of her hand and popped right on her hand. And her first reaction was what? It's the fight or flight within us. And the devil rose. Oh, you're going now. You're this or that or the other. But all of a sudden, something from on the inside of her reminded her of that quote. Hallelujah. Oh, what would it be like if we as the children of God, whenever Satan comes against us instead of us running, and said, well, I'm quitting. I'm just turning my back on the Lord. Oh, you coward. Come on, get your backbone in this meeting. I'm able to walk out of here and look the devil in the face and say, look, devil, you have bluffed me your last time. You have bluffed me your last time. Roar all you want to, devil, but I am a young person in this message that is more than a conqueror. Or you can keep coming to this meeting year after year after year and get what Brother Branham called camp meeting cramps. So you come and you get all fired up. Then you go back home and it lasts about a week or two. And then some of your pastors get up there to preach and you say, oh no, not him again. And you say, well, if he'd preach like Brother Andrew does, well, if you'd get with him the way you get to with Brother Andrew, you might turn that dry high preacher of yours into a fireball if you'd pull on him. Come on, do you think Brother Branham would have looked at his dog, old Fritz, whenever he wanted Fritz to be able to get that skunk? And Brother Branham would have went. That's what all the message folks do, folks do anymore. They don't say amen. They nod. We're not holy rollers, we're holy nodders. <laughs> so you reckon that Brother Branham looked at Fritz and said, Fritz will look back and say, are you kidding me? You think I'm going in there and going to tackle that skunk? But what Brother Branham do? said, seek him, boy. Seek him, boy. You don't need to just get with me and Brother Ron and Brother Andrew in these special meetings. You need to take this special something home with you. And when your pastor gets up to preach, scare him to death. <laughs> Go to say, amen, pastor. That's right, brother. Oh, wow. Oh, they know telling what in the world. A revival may break out in your church. Or, of course, you can just let the line say, you ain't going to get nothing. I wouldn't go in that prayer line if I was you. If you do, I'll get you. Just tell him what he is. Shut up, polygrip mouth. The Lord Jesus broke your back. The prophet of God said we are dealing with a defeated enemy. 
are defeated. And Brother Donnie, the symptoms are still there. Sure, they may be there. But by faith, you can look at that which is not and say it is as though it was already substance in your life. Oh, but I've got a besetting sin. Yeah, and that lion wants to tell you you'll never get rid of it. Are you going to believe the lion of the tribe of Judah? Or are you going to believe this lying devil? Are you going to believe Satan? Oh, you can't get delivered. You've tried and you've tried. You've probably turned away your day of grace. The very reason you're here tonight proves there's grace for you. Some of you may think you've sinned away your day of grace. Don't you listen to that lying devil. If you had, you wouldn't even be here. There's grace for you. There's mercy for you. There's deliverance for you. So what about it, young people? Are we going to be standing in this last day? We're living in an age when people don't know if they're a man or a woman. The lady that was just voted in by our Senate to be the next justice of our Supreme Court was asked the question to define what a woman is. She couldn't even say what one was. I found that was so profound since she herself was a woman. She should have been able to say, I am a woman. Oh, a real child of God. When the devil comes against you, oh, what about this and what about that? Where's a real believer say, I am a real believer. I am a real Christian. I, well, who, who, who's going in the rapture? I'm going in the rapture. Who's going to be an overcomer? I'm going to be an overcomer. Either that or you're going to listen to the lying mouth of this devil. But you need to stand your ground and say, no, Satan. I am an overcomer by the grace of God. I will not move. I will not bow. I will not compromise. Roar all you want to. Young people, he's hungry. He wants you. He wants you. 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 He wants you as a trophy. I'm a hunter and I've been able to hunt in different places around the world. I've got a big old eland in my, one of my game rooms. It's a big old gigantic antelope, the largest of the antelope in the world. He's number 32 in the world, actually. Whenever I shot him, he stood six and a half foot tall at the shoulder. So his head was, and his horns is about nine feet tall. Massive, massive animal. Well, I seen some a lot littler, but I wanted a trophy. Don't you understand why this lion wants you? You are a trophy. Oh, how many have sat here in this building? But now they're on Satan's wall of fame. That one right there. Oh, yeah. He used to go down to Louisiana camp. Oh, he shouted, run, carried on this and that and the other. Now he don't even believe in God. I got him. Look at that one there. You see her? Preacher's daughter used to believe the message. Now she don't even think there's a God no more. <laughs> one of my favorites. 
See that now? X message preacher. I'll tell you, friends, he'd love to have that one and that one and that one. He'd love to have you and you and you, but it's up to you. Do you want to be on his wall or do you want to be one of them trophies that'll walk down the streets of gold? Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus ain't wanting to put you on a wall. He's wanting to put you in a city. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. He don't want your head. He wants your heart. That's his trophy. If we can give him our hearts and Satan will roar and he will lie and he will do all he's going to do. And what do we do? We're more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Oh, I think tonight of our poor brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. They have been bombed. They've had missiles shot at their homes. Their homes are annihilated. Their country nearly destroyed. And you've probably seen some of the videos that are coming out from the message people there. And they're gathering. I saw one the other day. Brother Barry Coffey had sent it to him, and it was the young people in a certain area of Ukraine. And they were standing there singing. About 20 of them, maybe 30, something like that, standing there singing of the victorious power of God. Their home gone, their livelihood gone, everything around them gone. Maybe their freedom naturally. Russia wanting to take them over because the bear is wanting to exercise its authority. And there they were singing. I thought, praise God, still able to sing about the grace of God. What about you? You may look and how well this is gone and my dreams are gone and that's gone. But if you got enough joy of the Lord inside of you that you can stand and say, I may be look like at the end of my rope, but my God has never lost a battle. Which one are you going to hear, the lion or the tribe of Judah? Or are you going to hear this toothless liar that's going to tell you there's no way? You're going to have to believe one or the other. You're going to have to believe the voice that said you can't come back. You're going to have to believe the voice that said this preacher's prayed for you and that one's prayed for you and you didn't get the Holy Ghost. But who knows, tonight might be your night, friend. Tonight might be your night. And if you don't get it tonight, I'll be back in the morning and tomorrow night and the next morning and the next night you say, Lord... I'm breathing till you fill me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Standing in this dark day. It is so dark, friends. When Brother Branham looked, and he looked into that realm. He could not see past 1977. Now, many people try to take that and twist it around and make him a false prophet. He never said he prophesied in the first place. He said, I predict. So you imagine as he's looking out through that realm by vision, and he cannot see any farther than 1977. You know where that puts us? From 77 till now, it's been so dark that the prophet couldn't even see past it. No wonder you're fighting the powers of hell every day. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Every day of your life. Oh, I used to years ago, my, I used to come down through Louisiana as a Pentecostal preacher. Oh, man, I run up and down this country and preach. And boy, in them days, my mountaintops was like this. Wow. Boy, I mean, you get up on them mountains and I mean, you just go forever. And then you go down the valley. Whoa, here you go back again. And now they're, whoop. If you bat your eyes, you miss your mountain. And them valleys just seem like they go on and on. Anybody been there beside me? 
You been there? Anybody been there? Lord, you just think, Lord, is this valley ever going to end? And you just, you know, you, and you say, well, what up? Oh, you just missed your mountain. It's 30 seconds long. What's going on? What's wrong? Is it you? The devil wants to make you think it's you. It's the hour we're living. The darkness is pressing. The ghost and the darkness. They're wanting to haunt you. Remember, cigarettes is not your enemy. Pornography, your smartphone. No. It's demons. Demons. They've gathered right in this building right here tonight. Oh, yeah. You may find it shocking, but they would follow the prophets' meetings, demons and angels. They'd say the darkness is here and the light is here. I can hear them screaming. The angels of God walking down the aisles, he said. Which way will the battle go, he said. It'll depend upon your faith. On your faith. Praise the Lord. Well, I believe that we are going to be more than conquerors. Any of you young men here tonight want to say, I refuse, I refuse to be the devil's supper, breakfast or lunch. What about young ladies? I refuse. I refuse. I want to give my body, my soul. Now, all those lines of darkness, all they could do was eat the bodies of those people. They could never touch their souls. But this one, this one wants your body and your soul. He knows this is the shortest span of time that he will have people. So people live to be 80 years old and they live a wicked life and they die. Satan knows. Well, okay, no big deal. I'll take them to the lake of fire. And there I'll have them for maybe hundreds of years or thousands of years. Which will it be? You're going to hear the line of the tribe of Judah as he whispers his message of redemption. And love and salvation. You say, but Brother Donnie, I am so filthy. My God specializes in picking up filthy vessels. Some of us, we don't even want to get our hands dirtied dealing with some people. It's, it's pretty bad. I mean, a lot of these preachers, these brothers right here, I guarantee you, they have dealt with some filthy cases, filthy lives of people. And there's a reproach as a preacher even doing it. But our God is so loving and so wonderful that he can reach down and pick up your life. Oh, you say, but I come here today with cigarettes. I come drinking. I, I sinned even today. Well, acknowledge that. And ask the Lord to forgive you and pick you up out of that old filthy barnyard and wash you and cleanse you and fill you with the Holy Ghost before you leave this place. Or you will become Satan's meal next week. Or the week after. Remember, you'll never be the same after this meeting. Either you'll be better or you'll be worse. We can't be the same. We can't be the same. God called these meetings. I, don't, I think it's more than Brother Tim. Would you? I think it's more than Brother Tim. But I believe God did it. Amen. Then I want to be a better person when I pull out of here, Lord willing, on Sunday. I want to be a better man. I want to be closer to God. 
when the devil roars after me and he's roared after me my whole life I give my heart to the Lord when I was a 12 year old boy and started preaching when I was 18 so I've been preaching almost all my life and he roars and he roars and he still does and he wants to scare me and make me fear but I found out a long time ago I can listen to his roars and be intimidated by him or I can listen to the coos of the dove of the Holy Ghost as he's drawing us closer and closer. Me and Brother Tim was talking to us. I guess some of the message brothers have been studying on Russia more. And he said, yeah, probably some of them have. He said, but I ain't. He said, I, I've actually been studying more on how to get people filled with the Holy Ghost, how to get them a ticket in their hand to be able to leave this world in rapture. Can we bow our heads? I wonder on the first night here tonight, maybe there's some that's, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. We're not going to be here to look at you and judge you and none of that. But you say, really, you describe my life. I'm out in that barnyard. I'm so filthy. I'm so dirty. I'm so ashamed. Anyone you'd like to be remembered, just raise your hand to the Lord, not, not to us preachers. God bless you. God bless you, friends. God bless you. May the Lord help you. Maybe there's others of you that you're picked up out of the yard, but you're in the sanctification process. You're still hanging on to habits and this and that, and you need the Lord to help you. You raise your hand to the Lord. God bless you. Maybe there's others of you that you're washed. You're sitting up on the counter of God. You've been there for five years, ten. But you know by the way you live, you still don't have the Holy Ghost because you have to make yourself live this life. The prophet tells us how can I overcome. It's not a life that you force yourself to live. It's lived out of you automatically. Any of you here tonight that way and you say, I need to be filled. Not just in the visible audience, but streaming as well. All right, let's pray together and let's believe when we pray. Heavenly Father, so we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we came. The first night, Lord, of what we believe to be a great, great meeting. Our hearts have been under such anticipation. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. May you deal with every heart tonight. You saw the hands. This is like a one-room schoolhouse, as it were. We have people of all different spiritual levels, spiritual understanding. So may you deal with every one of them on their level, Father. Oh, Lord God, may you... Deliver those that maybe have got habits and besetting sins. Lord, they've been around the church and the message for years, but they've never really moved beyond that. Father, may this be the meeting that they can say, I'm free. I'm free. Lord, maybe some's been picked up out of that barnyard and they're in the process of sanctification. When they get angry, they still lose their temper and say words they shouldn't. Lord, they, they have resentment in their hearts and this and that. And they're, they're being washed, but they're just not quite clean yet. And you saw the hands that was uplifted in that category. And the others, Lord, that believe that they've been picked up and they've been washed and sanctified. But they're still empty. Lord God, your prophet said you're wanting empty vessels. And if you can get those empty vessels and you will fill them with yourself, you'll send them out to conquer the world. How angry hell must be. Satan and all of his demons. 
has our nation under control. They have our president's office under control. Congress, Senate, every Senate of the state, the nations of the world. But there's a group of people on the face of the earth he cannot get and it makes him so angry. Of all the people on the face of the earth, why are these people still here? He hates us. So if he can't get our soul, he'll try to afflict our bodies. And if he don't afflict us, he'll try to afflict our children. Lord God, help us, Father. But Lord Jesus, give us the strength as your children to stand and face this enemy. Not with our strength. We don't want to be strong like Peter was in his flesh. But Lord God, we want to say, not through me, but through him who lives in me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, may your presence sweep down this way tonight. Lord, I've been listening to, to the brother, brother Ram saying that Satan is howling. And he's on the rampage. And he uses that statement several times. Satan is howling. He's howling. Oh, but Lord, how beautiful it was the other day when you spoke to him. And I was down the basement listening to the prophet say that. And you said, he's howling, but I'm cooing. Praise God. You're cooing to your little bride. Oh, hallelujah. You're cooing to your bride. That's what it was when Moses penned it there in Genesis. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And the word there is Ruach Elohim. Ruach Elohim. And the Hebrew word is as a mother bird as she gathers her little chicks together. And you brood it over the earth. Oh, Jesus, come by tonight, Father. Brood over our hearts, Lord. Ruach Elohim. Brood over my heart. Brood over me, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you. Can we just worship him now just a little bit before we go? Look at me for just a moment. That vessel which was filthy, dirty, and nasty, now it ministers back to me. The prophet tells us in question answer 64, when Rebekah went and got those pots and started watering those camels, and whenever you multiplied and see how many gallons she had to have for those camels, it was phenomenal. She was packing back and forth about six or seven hours to be able to get those camels enough water. You imagine she's probably wringing wet with sweat. And she was just worn out. But little did she know those beasts she was watering was the same ones that was going to carry her to her bridegroom. So when you praise him, you're watering you're blessing his name. Let's water tonight, shall we? Oh, he said, but I'm tired and I'm weary. That's one of the best times to give him a sacrifice of praise. Amen. Can we just worship him? Brother Timothy, would you sing something for us? Can we just worship him? We'll let you go here just momentarily. But may the Spirit of God just be able to come by and flutter over our hearts. Coo, coo. Brother Charlie Cox told me one time, Brother Brandon was down there in the year 1956. There were some power lines over Brother Charlie's driveway in his house there. And there were some doves that would get out there and they would coo. He said Brother Brandon would go out there and he'd listen to them doves. He makes mention of it in God Making a Way in Brooklyn, New York, 1956. And he said them doves, they just coo and they make love to one another. 
and they take their little necks and they just wrap around one another. Can you imagine how privileged you are? Satan wants you for supper, but God invites you for supper. What does he say? If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him. You know what that word is? I'll have supper with him. Praise God. Satan wants you for supper. God is inviting you for supper. He said to call this meeting for a few days. And he said, if y'all will open the door, I'll come and have supper with you. Can you imagine how honored you are? A couple of years ago, I was up in Washington. We was able to go to the White House and all that. Out of the White House comes the Vice President, Mike Pence. Walking right down the aisle. Here's people all around him. Just comes right up. I'm able to shake his hand. Well, that was quite an honor. But that ain't near the honor I've got right here tonight. He ain't Vice President no more. He got voted out. But you know what? Nobody will ever vote out my king. Think what an honor, young people. The Lord Jesus is saying, young people, I'd like to have supper with you all. I don't want you for supper, but I'd like to have supper with you. Will you come and sup with me? Can we?
oppressed of the devil be set free. May those with the setting sins be delivered. May that roaring lion of the impersonating devil, may his voice become silent as the king speaks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Saturate my thirst. 